You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Consciously Crude. We are sitting down with Bharat Oza, who is a successful nutrition and transformation coach, as well as a Reiki master for over the last decade. His journey with psychedelics started when the transition of a significant relationship led him to the Amazon jungle in Peru. He was in search for closure. His first ayahuasca ceremony not only healed his grief and anger, it also guided him to start studying shamanism and other plant and animal medicines, such as rape, sananga, and cambo. Since then, he has gone through several ayahuasca ceremonies, as well as DMT and psilocybin ceremonies. And he's now offering energy healing sessions, as well as medicine ceremonies to help others heal through non-ordinary states of consciousness. Brett and I crossed paths a few years ago now uh, through a plant medicine retreat center that we both attended, and we were working with ayahuasca there. And since then, we've been following each other on social media, supporting from afar, And since we have such similar stories in terms of a background in fitness and nutrition and a draw towards spirituality, energy work, and plant medicine, Brat and I have always connected so easily, and I have so much love for this man. I'm looking forward for you all to hear this conversation that he had with Amanda and I. I hope you enjoy. Uh, beautiful. Welcome to the podcast, Barat. It is so beautiful to have you here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. One of my favorite topics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, perhaps, Barat, you can take a moment here to just introduce to our listeners um, kind of, you know, your, your, your story and kind of how you got to connect with, the, uh, with plant medicine. Sure. Um, So my story with plant medicine started about three years ago. And I had just gone through a breakup. And it was, you know, like we all think the breakup's the hardest thing on the planet. And, Mm. you know, which I learned later, it had a lot to do with just my programming and beliefs about love. Um, Anyway, that's another podcast, right? Um, (laughs) But I decided, you know, like trying to get away from things. So it's like, yep, I'm going to Peru. I'm going to go to Machu Picchu. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just see Peru. And uh, I think a week after I booked that, I, I had never thought about psychedelics before. And I, it's funny because now looking back at it, I'm like, I was guided to do all these different things. Because mm-hmm. I found out that the company that was in charge of my tours in Peru was also had this retreat thing in Peru where they take you to the Amazon jungle and you can have this experience with ayahuasca with authentic shamans. Mm. Uh, it's not just, you know, the tour operator doing something. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I just had this feeling like, you know what? I've been a Reiki master for a while. I'm pretty spiritual. I, in my head, I justified it saying, you know what? I can go to Peru and not do ayahuasca. And mm. I didn't even know what the fuck ayahuasca is. I just, I just <laughs> knew... It had some healing potential. This, it's psychedelic. That's all I knew. I did not do any research. I just went, click, buy. I'm signed up for those. Uh, I think it was like a seven-day retreat. Y- you are my kind of person. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I was like, you know what? We're doing this. Whatever. And uh, again, this is when I was in so much pain and mm-hmm. just filled with grief and anger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went, went to Peru, beautiful experience. And then I was like, all right, great. We're going to the Amazon jungle now. So mm-hmm. went in there, worked with those shamans. My first, so it was supposed to be five ayahuasca ceremonies. Uh, so three ayahuasca ceremonies, three nights, one night off, and then two ceremonies. Wow. And it was with authentic Shipibo shamans. So Shipibo shamans are uh, a tribe in Peru. 
Mm. Um, that's generations of shamans. Mm. And the first ceremony, there's no words to explain it. You know, like it's, I, all the anger, all the grief was gone the next day. Actually, during the ceremony, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And I felt tremendous love, like love that I've never known before because my only experiences with love or what I identified as love was what I got from my parents and what I got from romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. That's it. But this was different. This was like, I loved everything, mm-hmm. like every fucking thing, like this, this floor I'm sitting on, the, the roof of the Maloka, the Maloka is the place where they do the ceremonies. Um, just tremendous and no anger, no grief. I was like, this is unreal. What is this? And Everyone should do this stuff. all the time. <laughs> I know, right? Can I just stay here? Um, can I drink this thing like all the time? Um, <laughs> but it was beyond incredible. Like the first, I, I remember just sitting up and going, again, I think the advantage I had is I did not research anything. I didn't go in there with these ideas of what's supposed to happen. And I think that, was, that worked to my benefit because there were others there who had come with the expectation that yeah. this will heal my sadness. This will show me this vision. I will see past lives. I had zero expectations. I just went in there. All right, we're sitting there. And it's funny because when it started kicking in, I was like, oh, I I feel something. Mm. And I looked down and my hands start dissolving. Like my hands start like just, so my hands were like on top of each other and they just like disappeared. I couldn't feel them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and it was incredible. It was like six, seven hours of just these visions and just being shown um, who I am as a soul. Mm-hmm. And again, it sounds so cliche. And it's one of those things that I can describe this, but till you do it, you don't really know, you know, yeah. but um, it, it showed me even like just my connection with my partner at the time that we had transitioned. Um, we were meant to come together. We were together in previous lives and I saw us playing fucking soccer in space. I know it doesn't sound like what? Um, I love it though. But I love when you're in those states, it. it's like, it's so real, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's a knowing that it's real. It's, it's, there's, I don't have fucking scientific papers to say, yes, those imagination, that's not imagination. That's just, that's true. But um, so incredible healing, that one session. And mm-hmm. uh, after that we had, five more ceremonies out of which I did only, sorry, there were four more and I did only three more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I felt like, you know what? I got what I needed. I, mm-hmm. I, I have it. I don't need to do that fifth ceremony. So I was still in the ceremonial space, just being with other people and just lying there. And the most incredible thing was the shaman singing Icaros. So mm-hmm. they, they sing these songs. So they use sound, you can call it sound healing. Uh, so all these songs have frequencies just like we have frequencies and our pain bodies have frequencies and they use those frequencies with mother ayahuasca to move those blocks and help you release it. And you release, when you're on ayahuasca, you release it through, you know, purging, shitting your brains out. Um, there's heavy purging and more, right? Yeah. Uh, but you yeah. could cry, you could laugh, you could yawn, you could stretch. They're all forms of purging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you purge all those pain bodies uh, as they're singing these songs. And mm. even I could cry right now just thinking about how much love the shamans had. Like they were in service. They didn't care. And these are like, they are in their late fifties. Actually the next time I went to Peru, the, the shaman, the maestra was uh, I think in her eighties. Mm. And the commitment to your healing is, I hope someday I can give a third of that to my people. You know what I mean? Like it was incredible. And the Icaros are insane. Like when they're singing and yes, you're in these States, but it's this, you could feel like this and when they sing, you can tell, Oh, I think they're going to try and make a spurge because the frequency mm-hmm. changes and you feel the sound wave coming through the room. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, here it comes. And you throw up or you, you know, you got to go into the washroom or whatever it is. Um, so that was my first experience with psychedelics. I came back. I always tell people the person who goes into the ceremony is not the person that comes out, no. regardless of your experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I had a very similar, it's not a similar experience. 
uh, setting was very different for me, but in terms of uh, feeling just drawn and called to Mother Ayahuasca was something that was quite real. I remember listening to an Oprah podcast and it randomly popped in there and I was like, what? And then that week, a few other instances, people were just talking about it until there was a conversation that was happening right in front of me where someone was telling me where exactly I could go and experience this. So um, I think when you don't go in with those expectations and you just listen to that calling with all things in life, right? But um, it, it brings you to these beautiful experiences. And one thing that you shared with your experience that really spoke to me, how you said that you didn't have to do that fifth night and that you felt that was good. Um, and, and I hear what you mean there. But what I thought was interesting is you still staying in that ceremony space on that fifth night on your first experience with this beautiful plant medicine, almost like a bit of a foreshadowing to your shamanic experience later on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I didn't think of anything. I had no plans of like, yes, I'm going to study shamanism now. I got my healing, came back. That set like this you know, a series of instances that I was like, okay, wow, I'm healing. I'm changing. I've, I've found closure from this. What's next? Right. It set me on this path of pretty much starting to explore my beliefs about love and realizing that's not love. What you've been taught is just like mm-hmm. so many things we all have been taught. The idea of love is so different from what it actually is. And which down the road, I was like, yeah, great. You know, I'm going to write a book on this. I'm going to explore this or whatever. So Um, that was my first experience with it and it was just incredible so I want to ask you what was going on in your 3d reality during that time right because you know we're living these these plugged into the matrix lives and then we're like oh I'm gonna go have these amazing experiences in the woods in the Amazon right like so there's a lot of disconnect that happens there Um, So what was going on? What was 3D Barat looking like and doing during that time? (laughs) Is this like pre-ceremony or you mean like? Pre-ceremony and then how how did that shift coming out of the ceremony? Yeah. I always tell people um, I truly became a man in the last three years. Until then I was a kid. How old are you? How old are you? I'm I'm 37 now. Okay. I'll turn 38 in uh, November. So, and I, again, I'm, you know, obviously three years, so much has happened and I've gone through more ceremonies and things and learned different things. And um, I think the, the first, I would, I would give psychedelics a lot of credit for making me a man mm. because it helped me heal all the, the child stuff. And I had an incredible childhood. So I have, nothing close to some of the trauma I hear from other people. But we all have programming and we've all gone through things and seen things that create these blocks and armors. We start building up armors on ourselves and mm. psychedelics help me take all those armors away and say, you know what? You just keep your heart open. doesn't matter what happens. Keep your heart open. And um, so pre-ceremony, like pre that first experience, I was, yeah, I was doing well. I have a, you know, uh, a holistic nutrition business that's successful with my, with my brother, Ken, um, doing well. But w- again, it's funny, right? Because now when you look back at it, it was like, wow, you, you were fucked up. <laughs> but I'm grateful for that. You know, I am grateful for that because even that, if I, from that perspective, from that point of view, if I look further back, I was like, wow, I came a long way. Mm. And now you're here looking back and going, Ooh, okay, wow. <laughs> you know, who knows? Like, Three months from now, I look back at today and go, wow, you were fucked up, dude. You were a judgmental <laughs> bastard. Like, you know, whatever it is, right? It's this, it's this evolution. And one thing psychedelics have taught me and I've experienced is that time is not real. Time's just this infinite possibilities. That's all it is. It's not a linear. And even just studying shamanism, it's not a linear, you know, path. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, that's so wild. And I even... Something that's been resonating for me is this idea that um, shamanism, it, I'm very curious, and perhaps you can, you can enlighten us, Barat, is like, in terms of shamanism, I have the, I guess, filter that like, um, we don't necessarily become shamans, but we remember our shaman. 
and we like remember that we have the capability to bridge between this physical 3D world and the timelessness of consciousness. Mm. And so I'm curious, like, yeah, maybe you can speak to your your own remembering of your shamanism and how you're like you were mentioning you you I, I'm getting the impression you've studied. So like, can you maybe talk a bit about that? Because I'm like I'm like all ears. <laughs> I'm like oh no, yeah, no absolutely yeah. Um, so again, like I've I've been a Reiki master for such a long time, so I was already familiar with energy medicine, if you want to call it that, right? Um, I never intended to study shamanism. Um, I think my when I did DMT, that was I would say probably six months after the ayahuasca experience. I met a shaman and we we had two uh, DMT ceremonies. And I was shown certain things and suddenly I had this, I guess, attraction to learning more about this ability to switch your consciousness and, mm. you know, learning that, oh, you know, shamans, indigenous shamans used to just use the drum. They didn't need always, you know, plant medicine, right? Mm. Or there are people out there like in India, like I am originally from India. Um, there were monks or whatever you want to call them who would meditate to get into those states. Right. And uh, my guru, Ramdas, um, he had a guru who obviously learning from their teachings, um, just even he would say that, right? Like he would say, yeah, you could take all this because that's how Ramdas started. He was, you know, Richard Alpert took LSD, had the psychedelic experience, and he became one of the greatest masters ever. Um, but when he went to his guru, his guru kept taking LSD and nothing happened. Wow. And Richard Alpert was like, uh, I think I'm going to kill this old man, <laughs> but he was fine. And he's like, yeah, you know, I am, I'm always in that place. Wow. Okay. So I don't need the LSD. Um, so just knowing that there, it is possible to be in certain states um, and be, if you want to call it one with God or one with creation, great spirit, whatever you want to say um, without even using psychedelics and shamanism was this one method that you could do. I was like, okay, well, I need to study this. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, uh, I'm still studying it. Uh, so I, I don't even like when people think I'm, oh, he's a shaman. I'm like, uh, not really. Mm. I'm a shamanic practitioner. I'm still studying um, in, and I'm very drawn to Amazonian shamanism for obvious reasons, because I have a deep connection with them. And uh, in traditional Amazonian shamanism, you usually go through some trauma or some major life event, which then gives you certain gifts. Mm. And then from those gifts, you're able to become a shaman. And they say you're chosen or you come from a lineage of shamans. Uh, that being said, like Amanda, you said, we all remember our shamanism. And I 100% agree. It's funny because just a couple of days ago, I was driving, I was just, you know, you have these conversations in your head and I was like, we're just remembering everything. You know, we all, right now I'm reading this book called Sacred Contracts, which is a beautiful book. And she talks about that in there. And she says how we come with soul contracts when we're born, we just forget them. And then situations or experiences happen in lives to remind us of the contract. And then we go on this path. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I look at it that way, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely see all the paths and all the things that had to happen. And even when I didn't realize it, I was being guided. Mm -hmm. and being shown like, all right, you know, this is next, that's next, right? So. Yeah. So my, I guess um, you were talking about your personal experience with ayahuasca and how that really opened up so much for you. And it sounded like, from the way you described it, completely beautiful and amazing. Yeah. So what is your perspective when someone has like a quote unquote bad trip? And like, mm. what's that about? I love this question. <laughs> Yeah. I knew you would, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the plant. My experience. It's bad plants. Let's just say that first and foremost. So yes. are, you, are you insinuating they're just shitty, Jess? <laughs> no, they're just, just they're, they're not accepting their shadow self, which Brad is about to explain, I'm sure. <laughs> I 100% I agree. I don't, I don't believe there's anything called a bad trip. Hmm. Um, we are so one thing with plant medicine any of these plant medicine and they don't have to be psychedelic at all they will show you what you need yeah not necessarily what you want what 
uh, in my experience, every time, and this is part of it is, and we'll talk about integration because I think that's more important than the actual ceremony. Mm. Um, but it's the daily practices that I've been doing for so many years, whether it's meditation, certain kind of gongs, um, getting Reiki work done on myself, all these different things, reading, changing perspective, questioning, um, all of that helped me. It, whenever I went into ceremony, what I wanted and what I needed were the same. Mm. So we can always align ourselves to that and get what we want because what we want is what we need because we've been doing all this work in the background, outside ceremony. And, and so the, that's part of the problem. People, when they're shown certain um, experiences or memories, they start freaking out, right? Part of it, I think the biggest thing why people freak out is because A, either they're reliving this trauma. Um, and if, if we're okay with, I'll share an experience with a client who did a ceremony with me, but um, it's losing control. When you're in those states, you, you give up control. There is nothing else. And the more you resist, that's what I think people start looking at as a bad trip. Mm. That becomes a bad trip because they couldn't surrender. And I struggled with it. Mm. Um, my first few ceremonies, actually, it's funny. My first experience, that first ceremony with ayahuasca, when everything was starting to like, shift, your ego kicks in, right? And my yeah. ego's like, oh my God, this is a scam. They're getting you high. Your bags are there. You're stuck in Peru. You're never going home. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, "This, you're screwed. And I start panicking. <laughs> and it's funny because it's pitch black, right? In the Maloka, it's black because that's how they, it has to be dark so that the DMT actually works. And they had given us these little torches. And they said, if you need to use the washroom, because you have to go out of the Maloka to get to the washroom. And you have to remember, this is the Amazon jungle. So you're in the jungle. <laughs> and I'm starting to panic. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? This is a scam. They take foreigners. They keep them here. God knows where all the other foreigners are. Uh, I'm never getting out alive. All this crap in my head. And they said, if you know, you could, you could flash the light a little bit if you need to leave. And if, or you need assistance, flash the light a little bit, but don't keep flashing it because it'll take the others out of their ceremony. I'm panicking going, <laughs> turn the lights on. <laughs> and uh, the facilitator said, hey, look, you're, you're disrupting everyone else. I'm like, okay. And uh, I just like, okay, breathe, breathe. And it's funny because every time I surrendered, I just went into another phase and it was like, mm -hmm. I was showing these other images and visions and I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Trust it, trust it, you're okay. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible because the other thing that was freaking me out is there's no time or space. And you could also say your body stops existing in your perception, right? Because mm. you're out of your senses. There's no more five senses anymore. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I would put my hands on my face and it would go through. So I couldn't feel myself. My, have you seen the movie Inception? Yeah. Beautiful I movie. Not. I have not. Oh my God. Incredible. Yes. Jess, you will love that movie. Okay. Yeah. So in that movie, you know how she had, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio has the totem, which is the, the spinning top, mm -hmm. which tells him which reality he's in. Yeah. So for me, it was my glasses. So okay. my glasses were beside me. Whenever I touched it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm all right. Yeah. So yeah. which is why that's one of the things that even when I facilitate ceremonies, I ask people, bring a totem. Oh, bring something that anchors thing. you. Yeah. Because you're gone. You don't know time, space, nothing. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, so again, I know. Welcome to my TED talk. Uh, I went on a whole other tangent. But, I love it though. It's so good. Uh, but it's, um, it's it, it, that's what a bad trip is. You resisting what you're being shown. Right. And it's, sometimes it's it may not yeah. make sense. You know, mm -hmm. I've had people in ceremonies that I've been with and they were like, I was shown like tombs and Egypt and these futuristic cities. What's this got to do with what I came here for? Mm -hmm. Maybe just take it for what it is, you know? Maybe just don't try to make meaning out of it. Maybe just go, wow, that was cool. Okay, that's my experience this time, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a, there, I trust that there is a reason why you were shown this, yeah. Yeah. you know? So there's no bad trip. Yeah, agreed. And it doesn't yeah. make you a shitty person if you have a shitty trip. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a shaman if you start judging like that, can you? <laughs> So be, before we talk about like integrating the, the ceremony experience, experience, sorry, you mentioned you wanted to share about a client experience. Yeah. So 
and everyone's experience is different. It's not saying that this is what everyone experiences, obviously, right? Right. Uh, but one of my clients, uh, she had done a ceremony with me recently and she relived past experiences, two past experiences that she completely forgot. In this life? And, uh, in this life, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so obviously when people go through these, we all, whenever we go through such difficult situations, we start developing you know, uh, defense mechanisms or coping mechanisms. And part of that is we forget. We put certain memories deep in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. um, so she relived uh, her dad beating her mm. to the point where she was actually crying, rolling around, trying to protect herself because she could feel him hitting her on the leg. Mm. Um, and that's part of my work as a facilitator, as a guide is I'm just sitting there. I'm not interfering in their experience, but just letting them know, hey, remember you're here. Don't worry. You're not where you think you are. Um, and I was wearing this bracelet given to me by the Shipibo and she would touch my bracelet and she'd be like, okay, okay, I'm here. But then she'd go relive all of that. So she'd go back into that, mm. that, that time. Mm. Uh, and even some sexual abuse that had happened, she started reliving that in the ceremony. Mm. And she's such a courageous person. Like I have to give her credit. Like she, she went through it. She experienced it. And after that, she was like, wow, I didn't even remember this happened till I actually did this ceremony. Okay. But since then, doing all the integration, it's helped her find peace and forgiveness from all of that. It's just another layer for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you maybe talk a bit about that integration? Because I'm, I imagine that like, let's say you're, you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm going to try ayahuasca. I'm going to try psilocybin, whatever, DMT. Yeah. And you go into this experience, have this really, really shadow trip, or maybe even an amazing trip, honestly. Um, and then you come out the other side and there's that kind of like, I think of almost like Bambi learn, learning to walk again. Like it's like kind of recalibrating yeah. in your reality and you're right. like, whoa, how do, I, how do I relate to this? So yeah. um, can you maybe talk about like a safe integration versus one that would be not so, not so great? <laughs> be Absolutely. And before you dive into that, I think that it's important to, to mention too that um, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, Amanda, about it's important to feel in order to heal. So the mm -hmm. fact that this person was going through these experiences and reliving those experiences, there's a lot of healing just in that, right? From, for her to surrender to that experience and to feel into that experience, that's, that's a bulk of the work right there. 100%. I agree. Yeah. And one thing we have to also remember, she's not just healing herself, she's healing generational trauma, possibly mm -hmm. ancestral trauma, you know, so whenever people go into ceremonies, I give them so much respect, like, and you, you guys know this, you guys do this, you know, working with others, working on yourself, even like, you know, whether you're doing NLP, or you just or you doing Reiki doesn't matter, you're healing generational shit. Exactly. You know, so any person using any modality, not just psychedelics, any, any form of healing is doing some tremendous work, you know, so, it is. Yeah. Um, but as far as integration goes, I believe that is even more important than the actual ceremony because mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you know, I'm sure we all have had clients, you know, where either do Reiki or energy work or NLP or whatever it is, but they don't do homework. Mm -hmm. right. And they keep coming back. It's great. It's great for the business, but they're not going anywhere, mm. you know? And at the end of the day, obviously that isn't that the whole purpose is the, is transforming and healing and, you know, elevating. So um, for me, integration is pre-ceremony and post-ceremony. So whenever I facilitate, like, for example, even just, and I guess I get that because those were my experiences with my shamans whenever so I've been in Peru twice now. And there was always like, okay, this is what you need to do for two weeks or a month or two months before you come here and do ceremonies. Oh, wow. You know, so I, I adopted that because that's the only method I know is where, all right, so this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I tell people who want to do uh, ceremonies with me is, all right, you know, at least two weeks before start doing this, eat this way, start doing some of these practices um, start, you know, reducing your cell phone time, starting to just clear and observing your own being, right? There's so many distractions we have. A lot of people don't even realize, like, if I ask them, 
you know, so what's your bowel movements like? Normal, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're so disconnected, right? So um, I try to get them to do at least two weeks of like, let's slow down a little bit. Let's stop being aware of this. Let's journal a little bit, you know, write down your intentions because intentions is really important when you go into ceremony mm-hmm. because I find intentions, you're going to be shown so much. And if you have intentions, it, I find it helps you find your way through it. Right. And it's almost like this rope in the darkness. It's like, all right, I'm holding on to this. This is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you'll get what you need. Um, but I find intention is incredibly important. So any psychedelics, there's four things. There's set, setting, intention, and integration. Right? So, um, so that's the first, the pre, I would say, pre-ceremony integration. Post-ceremony, it, again, I would obviously continue a lot of what you did pre-ceremony, but um, that depends on the experience, you know? So if you were given certain messages, okay, so what does that mean to you now? Right. Uh, what does that, what do you have to change or uh, shift in your current lifestyle or setup or your reality to actually integrate this message and live that message now or live that shift? Who do you need to go forgive? Who do you need to talk to? So I actually give them a list of questions to actually journal after. And then depending on what the experience was, I mean, say, hey, come in at two weeks from now, let's do another energy session, not using psychedelics or anything, but could be other plant medicines or just Reiki and stuff. And I help them give them practices and just, yeah, integrate that and support them. Uh, you know, like you said, Amanda, we are all remembering the shamanism. So yeah. a lot of times people remember what they need to do or even know what they need to do. They just need a nudge. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. usually like a gist of what the integration process could be like. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that like, you know, you're opening up your consciousness to so much information and it's downloading in to your like limited human body. Like there's like unlimited information in this limited vessel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it can be, I think about like the times that I've had like major aha moments, even in like all kinds of work. Right. And that sometimes there's so much information and you're like, how do I even like, what do I even do with that right now? What am I supposed to do with all of that? And that I think there's like a, a natural like um, process and like a necessary compassion to be like, you have just received like the download of all downloads. So just yeah. allow that to, to like gradually integrate. Right. It, would you say yeah. that that's, that's 100%. Yeah. Cause you, you're right. Like there's so much, Again, depends on your intention, the set, the setting, yeah. the music, all these things. But you're right. Like a lot of the downloads may not just be go act on it now. It may be, right. all right, you know this. It's in your awareness now. Now just start looking for the signs. Mm-hmm. Whether you say your guides or your intuition or great spirit, whatever it is, yeah. they're always giving signs. So start looking for the signs now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's just, that's part of the, you're right. That reminded me of this one. Uh, so this, last time I went to Peru, I did something called a dieta. Um, so pretty much you're, it was uh, 12 days. You live in isolation. You don't talk to anyone except the shaman. Uh, you eat once or twice a day. And there were um, seven ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, and on the nights that you don't do the ceremony, you actually, the, the shaman will assign you a plant based on your intention. Um, so one of my intentions was show me what love really is. And so they assigned this plant called Bobinsana, which is known to like show love and uh, open up your heart center and things like that. So on the nights that you don't drink, you drink the plant and you connect with the spirit of the plant and gives you downloads or whatever. It's not psychedelic at all. Cool. So one of the ayahuasca ceremonies though, insane downloads and I am shitting my brains out. I'm throwing up the, we held, okay, this is the beautiful part about this. We had three shamans. So three shamans going around giving each person five acros. Mm. That's the most powerful. Even if you're not on fucking psychedelics, that mm. those acros alone are incredibly healing. I wish I could like hear them. I, I just like can feel my body like craving that music. I can only imagine. You know what? I will, I will send you a few. Oh, yes. And if it you will, can, ugh. yeah, we'll put them in the show notes because sure. I would love for our listeners to get a taste of what this is like. Yeah. And it's, it's so powerful. And I could tell like, 
she, this, she was sitting there and as she's singing, I could see this brown ball stuck and I'm not letting it go. Mm. And you're talking to Shaman, like, I don't understand the language, but you know the language. You know exactly what she's saying in those states. <laughs> yeah. And I know she's trying to pull this brown ball. It looked like a cocoon that mm. she's trying to pull out and I'm not letting it go. And I'm exhausted. I'm like, I had so many downloads. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I realized why we cannot stay in those states because this body cannot handle it. Wow. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm throwing up. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm shitting. There's so much, but she kept going on and she's like, and then she stops singing. And I was like, Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I know, I know I should let this go, but I'm not, I'm, I'm telepathically talking to her. Right. And then she starts again. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't. I'm like, she's trying to pull this thing out. It's like I'm a like, contraction. Oh I'm like, yes, I want to let go, but I'm, I don't know why I'm not letting it go. And then she finished the song. She stops. And then she goes, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You're trying so hard. And I'm not, I don't know why this is not, I'm not releasing this. She goes again. I was like, I, I'm just going to fall back. You do what you need to, because I can't handle this. I don't know how you're 90 years old and doing this, but that's the level of love. That's the service they have. Mm. It was incredible. So when you said like you're getting all those downloads and it's exhausting, hundred percent. Yeah. Is there ever 100%. a point where it's like, like, would you caution someone in terms of like something that is like too much? Like it's like that person, is it, is it, is it person to person basis or is it pretty standard in terms of like, people should just not do it more than, I don't know, once a year, once every 10 years. Like, can you maybe give a, I mean, you've done yeah. it obviously more than once every 10 years, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely, so you, at the end of the day, you have your will and your, your choice, right? So mm-hmm. um, I do them when I'm called to do them. Uh, I never go in with, you know what? I feel like being high or, mm. uh, or if there's a specific intention, like I want to, you know, this is where I'm stuck. I'd like some clarity or, you know, what do I do? What's, you know, what's my choices? So um, that's when I do it. I never do it just because. Right. Um, and I'm, and that's, and so ayahuasca, especially, yeah. I don't know anyone who just do it just because. Yeah. Uh, although that's not true. I do know some people who do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's up to you. When you're called, you go and you have to know when you've had, enough or you know when you've got what you have to um when i go in my perception is i'm surrendering to the shamans um they're there to heal me and the medicine's there to heal me so even if things get difficult i just surrender into it i'm like yeah and i remember i sometimes i tell myself this is medicine thank you thank you mother ayahuasca thank you pachamama thank you for the shamans um and it just it's incredible how things shift when you stop resisting Mm -hmm. right you know, and this could be anything, right? It could be psilocybin, it could be DMT, it doesn't matter. Surrender, I mean, you're okay. But yeah, like always proceed with caution. It is, it is, if you look at it from this 3D reality, it is changing your brain composition. It is changing your neurotransmitter balance. Um, and mostly for the better, but you could, whenever you push the neurotransmitters higher, there is always a kickback. Your body's going to try and adjust and go, oh, so your GABA is going really high? All right, we need to kick the dopamine up. And it'll, it'll try balancing things. And sometimes when people have done it, not just psychedelics, but this applies to anything, right? It applies to any street drugs, alcohol, sugar. Yeah, anything, anything that we have a abuse. dependency or, or that our body is, is neurologically primed for. Absolutely. So yeah. your neurotransmitters are going to go back so mm. that being said none of these are addictive there is no such thing as an ayahuasca addiction no. <laughs> uh, or a psilocybin addiction like i yeah. yeah that's but and that's the powerful thing about these plants because the beautiful thing is these plants have consciousness so you enter in into a ceremony or not even a ceremony or whatever and you take these plants and you're like yeah this is my intention i want to get high whatever they may not even work yeah. that's the beautiful part they're yeah. always going to give you what you need so you know what I mean? Like, it's incredible because when I did my first ayahuasca ceremony, came back a couple of months later, one of my close brothers, he, he said, hey, I've been doing mushrooms. Come, I'll give you some. I, I took three grams or something. Nothing happened. I was like, huh, maybe mushrooms are not my thing or whatever. Um, 
But then year, months later, I went back to Peru. Did, uh, sorry, I did DMT. Incredible experience. Next year, I believe I went to Peru, did the dieta, did the ceremonies, came back. And I clearly had this knowing that I'm supposed to work with mushrooms now. And I go take, again, three grams in a ceremonial set, set up with my, with my friend and bam, incredible work. Right. So it's almost like, no, no, you work with ayahuasca for now, go to DMT, and then you go work with mushrooms. And now it's like, you're going to work with mushrooms for a while. There's no ayahuasca in your near future. Uh, but when I'm going to be called to, I will. So and I, that's, that's going back to the calling, right? Like that yeah. we were talking about is, is that calling. And that's so important. And I was reminded of a story of when I was in retreat with ayahuasca. I've over the last three years, I've gone twice. And that's been enough for me. I get a lot from those two experiences, uh, two ceremonies within that. But I remember the last time I went, there was someone that was there and it was like they're I think their fourth time that year and it was only like three months in or something like that. And afterward at closing ceremony, they had said that they pretty much sat there all night sober on their mat and that the work that came up for them last time, they never took the time to integrate. And wow. the, the knowing and the download and, and the insight that they received is like, yeah, I just have to go fucking do the work that I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing with the plan is it's so intelligent. And yeah. if you are wanting to just use it as a external factor to elevate your life, it's, it doesn't work that way, just like anything else. Yeah, it sounds like, um, you know, similar to what Barat, you were saying is that you'll always get what you need. It's like the plant is so intelligent that like, if you need that shadow trip, you're going to get that shadow trip, but not just because, oh, by happenstance, but because like, that's truly where this is your next step in healing. And similar to what Jazz, you said, it's like, if you are not feeling anything, or if you're just getting the, the reminded awareness that it's like, you can keep doing all these ceremonies, but you do have to integrate the work. Like the plant is so intelligent. Um, yeah. I had one uh, vision in my, my last time when I went to Peru, um, there was a boa constrictor wrapping itself around me. And for a lot of people that could be scary. It was literally squeezing me and I could feel being squeezed. And I was like starting to like breathe a little heavier. Mm. And then this, it wrapped itself around me and looked at me and said, um, know that I love you, but I'm hungry. So I have to eat you. Mm. And I looked at it and I said, if I can feed you, then go for it. Eat me. I still love you. And pff, it disappeared at the point. <laughs> it was like this lesson because my, one of my intentions was show me what love is. Mm. And that was so profound for me. But my point of bringing this up is you just have to surrender. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what it is that what you start perceiving as a bad trip and this stuff that you're seeing, try pushing love towards it, you know, mm -hmm. accept it. And it's amazing what will happen. Mm, I love that. It, this incredible, even if I, I know, and this is annoying, I don't have any kind of, I can't remember any experiences, but I know just from having gone through so many psychedelic uh, ceremonies, it changes your subconscious programming. You're healed. Even if you're not aware, a lot of your subconscious programming starts getting healed mm -hmm. and call it, you know, ancestral stuff, generational stuff. Cause a lot of times I've seen my past lives. I've seen future things. Uh, I remember once when I first time when I did DMT, a vision I had was I was somewhere in South America and I was being, they were giving me this crown and I looked and it had this purple gem. And I actually thought my shaman touched me here when they put the, when in the visions, they put this crown on me. I perceived that as, oh, I think in some life I was a king over there. And fast forward, gone, went back to Peru, did a few things. They showed me all these things and they said, now are you ready for your crown? And they gave me the same crown again. I was like, whoa, this is the crown. So, this, so I was supposed to come to Peru to get this crown. Oh my God, that's what the DMT was showing me. And it's funny because now fast forward as I'm, as I'm studying archetypes and male archetypes, especially mm -hmm. one of the archetypes is the king. And now when I look back, I'm like, Oh, so it was about the king archetype mm -hmm. and becoming the king and embodying that. And I was like, Oh, so it's, it's so 
you can see how long sometimes the integration can be. You're always integrating. It's endless. Yeah. You know? You're just so, aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was even a moment ago when you were talking about um, the snake wrapping around you in a previous episode, we were talking with another guest, Satya, about this like other um, astrological sign, the healer sign and holding the snake. And um, for any of our listeners, go back to episode, what was it, 16? So, I think so. 16 with Satya about uh, underworld and shamanism and what what you just shared about that boa constrictor wrapping around you just gave me this like feeling of like when we can have that level of love with our with all of connection with all of life and like even you know the same way that like animals in the wild like you know the the lion is not bad for chasing yeah. down the antelope the lion is just the lion the antelope is just the antelope and it's all just part of the loving creation of life and that was Absolutely. i just had kind of like a Ding, light bulb moment as you're talking about this just seeing the beauty of that and truly in real time so thank you for that oh you're very welcome one thing i find psychedelics if nothing they will give they will help you feel deep gratitude and mm. deep, deep connection and deep love for things you never thought before like i, I found a song uh, called mother of the waters i'll send it to you guys mm-hmm. it's been on repeat since i found it since Two days ago, okay. I was fucking bawling listening to it, and it's it's all it's about is I'm, I thank my family and my friends, the the winged ones and the furred ones and the fins and the two legged and three legged and the universe. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm so fucking grateful. I'm so fucking. Grateful. I was like, wow, <laughs> like what the hell? You know, I just sat down in my condo. I'm like touching the floor. I'm like, and I'm not even on psychedelics. This is this so deep you. gratitude, like, whew, like yeah. amazing. I feel yeah. that. Yeah, it It sounds like the world could be a very different place if psychedelics were more, yeah, were common, destigmatized, and used for their purpose as medicine. Yeah, it's happening, you know, it's getting there. They're starting to legalize psilocybin in some places. MDMA is in stage three for therapy, so some good work's happening, but yeah. Till then, conversations like these need to happen, right? There was a lot of great work happening before the 1970 or something like that, the whole war on drugs and our good friend Ronald Reagan. And so um, now that that is all being unlocked again, right, it's like picking up from where they were. And it's I'm so excited for the science that's going to come out around this. I think that part of the reasons why it's been so pushed to the back burner, if you will, is because they are plants. And so big pharma can't make money off of them at the end of the day, they can't be patented. And so that's, you know, a food for thought for people that are listening of how the system is keeping things that don't make a lot of money and also keep us from not expanding our awareness, just tucked away in their back pocket. For us not to use and, and, and feel stigmatized if we do or shame if we do, right? So it's just quite interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love, I love that reflection. Yeah. So, Barat, we're going to finish with our four questions, if you right. don't mind. Not so we'll start with the first one. When do you feel the most powerful? You know, my guru says... Um, he has his line and it's actually from the, are you familiar with the Ramayana? It's like no. an Indian, it's an Indian epic, the Indian epic or whatever. But basically there's a, there's a quote from it that says, when I don't know who I am, I serve you. When I know who I am, I am you. Mm. And that is so profound for me. So for me to answer that question, I am most powerful when I am in service. What's one thing in the modern world that's got to go? My human self says television. <laughs> My high that. self says nothing. It's all there <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> I love it. Okay, then maybe you'll like this question better. What's one thing that this world needs more of? Psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, guys. <laughs> Psychedelics and sex. Let, let's okay. say that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Love it. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Love everyone and tell the truth. Hmm. Beautiful. There any last words, any final thoughts that you want our listeners to hear? Um, I would just say, you know what, keep an open mind and question, question things you've heard of, read of, consider where you're getting this information from. And I think more than anything, trust your experience. Mm -hmm. I think we're the society that we're in. It's so left brain and everything's about, do you have papers for it? Do you have proof, but it's not science. And you know what? I, I, I have to say majority of my life is led by just my experiences and I'm okay with that. I trust it. So if you're having experiences where you're seeing things or hearing voices, trust it. Mm-hmm. You don't need a shrink, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah, I would say trust your experience over anything else. Yeah. I absolutely. love that you said that. Yeah. I love that you said that. Beautiful. All right, friends. We're going to do right. this again. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Next time in person. Yes. And maybe on psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us is on record this morning so oh good for you that's, awesome. that's great how many milligrams were you on uh so i'm doing three days at 100 milligrams mm-hmm. and then i have some capsules from a company called schedule 35 that are 200 milligrams so i'm going to do three days of that as well oh super nice yeah that's great beautiful so maybe next time we can talk about um, the difference in microdosing and macrodosing and actually like yeah. the, the technical stuff around plant medicines. Absolutely. We'd love to. Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. Thank you so much, Barat. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. We are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you. If you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrude.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this conscious collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz.